Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back and enjoy. Mike Ashley, never tell you any bullshit. Right. Here's the pot of money we've got. This is what the club's earned this year. So get on with it. You've got to take someone on the chin here because some of these players performing at a completely different level. I mean, I remember knocking on his door saying, I'm coming in the bar for the dressing room here, boss. Were you bringing anybody in? Do you know Craig Hope, on my third game in charge, said I'd sent on a substitute and just told him to go and play anywhere he wanted? As if. If a manager says you're not training very well, you're not yeah, training you're very training well. training very well. And yeah. you're not in the team yeah. or the squad. Yeah. And you're 80 million quids worth. It's a big call. This is up front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a three-time Premier League winner and a defensive stalwart who captained a Manchester United team that kick-started Sir Alex Ferguson's dominance in English football. He managed over a 1,000 games across a 24-year period, crossing the managerial divides in the Midlands, Sheffield and the North East. And this may be the first one-on-one interview we've had since I employed him at Crystal Palace over 22 years ago. Steve Bruce, welcome to Upfront. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Simon. There's a possibility this interview could last longer than your job did at Palace. (laughs) We'll leave that one alone, shall we? We'll leave that one alone. What did you think think about the the old mediocre comment? Well, my son and I were listening to the radio. Well, you were were sort of saying that Harry Maguire was mediocre and everything. I was. And then gave a quote that Steve Bruce was mediocre. Yes, I did. I I looked at Alex as if to say, how dare he? But I took it from the playbook of what you told me. You said to me when when you came to Palace, you said to me, you talked about yourself and people are now portraying it as you're being humble, that you were... You made the best of yourself. You you exhausted every ounce of the abilities that you had. (laughs) Absolutely, Simon. Listen, I I was just average at everything. I mean, some would say I wasn't very big. Hopeless on my left side. um, Not quick enough. So all of them things straight away, you think, well, how has he gone on to the one thing I did do was made the best of myself. And when I got the opportunity to go to Man U, I thought, I'm going to grasp it here, even though it was daunting, walking into a dressing room where, for a star, Paul McGrath. I but you were a him. leader, weren't you, Steve? I mean, well, the, the, I've, the point I've been I asked on... a million times, Simon, how, what, how do you define a leader? What is a leader? And in every team I played for since I was a kid at eight till I finished, I'd captained every team I'd played yeah. for. So there must be something in it. People love a trier, love people who give 100%. And I was a little bit noisy. Some of the captains these days are quiet. They lead by example. Harry Kane, I wouldn't have thought to shout and baller, but you watch him every week and leads from the front of how good he is. So I suppose I I got the best of myself and then would drag other people if I could. What I said was he could be mediocre at times, but he was a great leader and he was a leader of men. And I remember... When we sat down, and I didn't want to interview you, as you know, yeah. um, because of the situation in the past of Huddersfield, and I didn't think you'd behaved in a certain way. But when I sat with you, and I listened to you, and I put aside my preordained bias about my perception of you, my, my biggest takeaway and my unadulterated um, viewpoint was, I can understand why this guy, Captain Manchester United, and when you came into <clears throat> Palace, albeit briefly... Um, I saw it. I saw the standards. I saw the manner in which you interacted with the players, the manner in which you interacted with every aspect of the training ground, even to the point where a coach once came into the training ground too quickly and you were out in the car park going, whoa, 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 hang on, there's players here. What's going on? But I wanted to talk about your journey to go from how does somebody, besides what we discussed, which is your leadership capabilities, how does somebody that struggled to get a pro career going lands at Gillingham and then within six or seven years is in the dressing room at Manchester United as one of the first signings that Alex Ferguson signs. When I was a kid and I was young in the North East, football was a way out. It was tough, it was hard working and I'd gone to the shipyards for the first time after a week there thinking, I never want to work in here, how these lads do it. 
is beyond me. It was freezing cold, horrible day. And I decided then I'm going to do everything I can to play football because that was the only way that I could see that I was going to get out. When I was young, would you believe I was small? So by the time I was 15, 16, I was still 12, 13, hadn't developed at all. So I needed a bit of time. Everybody said the same thing. Never going to be big enough. Never going to be strong enough. Um, not for us. Until I went to Gillingham, probably last resort. Went all the way from New uh, Newcastle to Gillingham. What league were they in? A guy Division two? In Division 3, Division the old three. Division 3. Oh, yeah. I went down with Peter Beardley. I think I told you that story. I went down with Peter Beardley. Mm -hmm. Peter was the same thought of me, only this high, small. Um, and they turned Peter away and kept me, which I thought was the start of the apprenticeship. So I had two years as apprenticeship and um, and it was tough. I get up in the morning and you had to clean all the boots. There's only two apprentices back then. There wasn't all of this. Had to help the groundsman. Had to, we were. It was seven o'clock in the morning or six at night till you went away. And there was an Irish fella who just lost his wife last week, uh, Bet Collins, Bill Collins, who really talked to me and helped me. And um, without him, I might have been struggling. But he sort of took me in and Bet did, bless her, um, took me in and looked after me. And he thought the world of me as a player. I don't know why, because everybody was doing this with me. And he thought I had what it took. Um, so without his belief in me, probably, it might not have happened. But I was determined when I was 18, I represented England. Not a mean feat for somebody playing for Gillingham. I broke my leg when I was 21, just when I was starting to get a bit of publicity and all the rest of it, bigger teams watching. So that put a dampener on things mm -hmm. for six months, eight months. And um, thought maybe, Simon, after getting to 23, 24, that my chance had maybe come to go and play in a, a yeah. go to different level. Um, so I decided then to leave my contract and pick Norwich because Dave Watson, the centre-half, was playing for England and so yeah. was the goalkeeper. Right. Chris Woods thought, I'm, I'm going to play alongside Dave, Dave because him, yeah. I think I'm better than him. So I went to Norwich and um, played in the highest, in the highlight league. I ever told you my debut against them? Um, no. I never told you against Liverpool. Opening right. day of the season, Sunes, Daglish, mm -hmm. all that lot, who were by far the best team in the country Absolutely. at the time. The kick off down the right and they cross it early into the box. I thought I can head that, headed it into the top corner, own goal. 35 seconds thought that's not a good start at, at all a bit of rumblings in the crowd what the hell have we got here um 20 minutes later Daglish, famously with that turn and jink i can see still see it now turned dave watson and bent one in the top corner i thought i can head that clear and i've headed that in me on goal and all so i've so had done two, two i've right. done two on goals right. in 22 minutes not a bad start is it so <laughs> i was up against it from the I was up against it from the from the off, but again, people believe you. Ken Brown, Mel Machen. Mel Machen was a fantastic coach back in the day. Really, really above his probably before his time. Before his time, yeah. yeah. One of them inevitable ones. What we played, Norwich had the of playing. So um, that's the way it started. And before I knew it, then I'm getting a phone call from Sir Alex. Yeah, which obviously is life changing for you. Talk to, talk to us about Ferguson, because obviously he's the stuff of legend now. And that's not just because uh, a, a passage of time has passed when Man United are not doing particularly well, but because A, of his unique achievements and the passage of time that he had at United. Try and describe Ferguson for people that don't know. Do you know, Simon, for a start, his work ethic was unbelievable. Every time I went to the training ground, his car was there. Whether it was six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night, he's still there. So his work ethic is something which unbelievable in that in in that respect. And when you get to know him, there's a fierce lo loyalty he has. There's a trust between once you've got to a certain level, you have to get that certain level first with him. With him, yeah. However, if you step out of line, or you did something which was detriment to man you or the dressing room, you were out. Mm -hmm. And he was unbelievable in that. For instance, the Shanshaw thing, now we're reading about it. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened with him. Mm -hmm. He'd have nailed that before yeah. we started. Now, in 90s, we didn't have social media where everybody's got a platform now, yeah. Simon. I get that. But 
he wouldn't he wouldn't have accepted it. Whether you were Sancho, Yapstam, David Beckham, Paul Ince, Mark Hughes, wherever, he you know he was relentless in his pursuit of making Man U the biggest and best team in the world. And to start with that in the nineties, we had to beat Liverpool, the great Liverpool team, and he was ferocious week in and week out how we have to beat Liverpool. And and he and he was when he takes you on the journey with him, and I was privileged to be nearly ten years there. Some of the stuff you look and go and look back on now and think, was he is he a genius? Playing Chelsea in the cup final. All week he went on, Sir Alex. We'll score first against Chelsea. We'll win four or five. FA Cup final. You don't win FA Cup finals four and five, not very often anyway. That was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all week. Remember, all of us, after every training session, score first, we'll win four or five. So I remember asking him getting this when we're walking off the training ground, boss, can I ask you, where do you get that from? How we score first, we'll win four or five. He goes, because... Glenn Hoddles, who's the substitute, he's not got the legs anymore, especially at Wembley, and he'll bring himself on in sacrifice of um, his defensive setup, and he'll come on in the middle of the pitch, and he can't run anymore, Glenn, and we'll cut through them like a knife through butter, and we'll win four or five. What happens? 62 minutes, we score first. Glenn Hoddle brings himself on. Then we get to 75 minutes, we're 4-0 up. And I'm thinking now, is this fella a genius? <laughs> yeah. Is that genius? Or is that just... He just knows his stuff. Oh, he knows his stuff. Mm. And all of the decisions he made, he got the big ones obviously right, or he wouldn't have gone to what he's won and achieved. But there's always this perception of him that he is the hairdryer. But there must be more to Alex Ferguson than just the ability to concentrate your mind, and if you step out of line, you're out the door. Or was that it? Or was that what Listen, if you stepped out the line and you were too bad against the club and the yeah. dressing room, you were, you were gone. However, once no, you no, said no something in no front redemption, of him, if, no, he had a, if no he had a top at you and you said to him, hang on, boss, I don't agree with you there, or you can shout back at him or whatever, yeah. no problem in the dressing room. As long as it was contained in here, in the dressing room, yeah. no problem. If it ever got out, big problem. But it, you never would do. And that's where it's changed a little bit. Things used to stay in the dressing room. There's much more than that, Simon, about him. That's for sure. Than, than just the hairdryer treatment. Yeah. Of course, he could lose it, but yeah. then again, so could you. Mm-hmm. So could I. We all got it. And um, and and you no problem having to go back at him at all. He was forgetting about yeah. it. In fact, I think he quite liked it. Mm-hmm. He quite liked Showed character. So, yeah, showed yeah. a little bit. If he can stand up to I always thought that if you can handle him, he can handle playing for Man U. Mm-hmm. He was that, on your case, ferocious in what he did, wonderful appetite to win and if he didn't match them really with him you were no you were no use to him do you think that he could still operate in the same way in 2023 as he handed off in 2013 i would like to think so i'm sure you must find it difficult because things have changed same but i'm still convinced that he'd be really really successful he would have to be yeah you know he made big decisions I mean, the biggest decisions that he made for me when he let Kanchelskis, Ince and Hughes go after 95, we lost the cup final and we lost the double in 95 and he let them three go without bringing anybody in. Now, to to have the belief... In what he's got. In what he's got and the young ones and all five of them coming to go and do what they did was, again, a sign of me was he was bored from being yeah. genius. Yeah. I mean, I remember knocking on his door saying... I'm coming in bar for the dressing room here, boss. Are we bringing anybody in? You've let Ince go. Kanchelskis and Hughes, big players, huh? Are you, anybody are you bring in? No, no, the young ones are. The young ones will be fine. Mm. The young ones will become to be great players for this club. Relentless in it. And, uh, and we all didn't see it. I'm being brutally honest. We all didn't see it. We know they were good. Mm. But none of us realised. When did they make you captain? I got a phone call. got a phone call from him. It was Tuesday afternoon, four o'clock. He says, where are you? I says, I'm at home. He says, uh, I'm around the corner. Can I come and see you? Oh, I thought, have I been sold? Or have I been in trouble? He wants to come to the house. So I says to Jan, and you know Jan, I says, Jan, the manager's coming around. She was flustering a bit to think, oh, I've got to get the tea out and I've got to get a cake and we always had a bit of cake and a biscuit. And uh, in he comes, eyeing the place up a little bit. And Jan made him a cup of tea and he sat and talked about nothing really. 
And then just before he was going to go home, he said, um, how do you feel about being captain? And he fell off the chair onto the floor. And I said, absolutely a privilege. Thank you very much. He says, well, that's all I need to know. Thank you very much. And out he goes. I thought, why didn't he ask me that in the morning? I honestly believe he came round to have a look at how I was living, right. where we were living, what home was like. Talking about honours, how was it for you? I mean, I made a throwaway comment the other day, which you've admonished <laughs> me for about mediocre, and lots of people have done so <laughs> as well on social yeah, media. But how, how, how do you feel about never being given the opportunity to play for England? Well, who was in front of you? Who, well, who do you know you? the one? The ones in front of me were Bobby Robson, were Terry Butcher, yeah. who went on to play eighty times. Yeah. Tony Adams, yeah. sixty times. Did Des Walker get something like mm -hmm. 50, 60 caps? Um, all of them people were. But I honestly thought I was probably at my best in the not in the Robs not in the Robson era. Maybe Graham Taylor, who I knew I captained England B team, was called up to play for England B team, who played in Malta. And um in the in the I'll never forget that in the dressing room he's he's gone um Siemens in goal, um Sterling at right back. Uh, Steve Bruce, your centre-half, and you are captain. I have to tell you, in front of all the players, you wouldn't be my captain, but Bobby Robson's made you captain because Bobby's not here, so he wanted you to captain the team. But I stress that you wouldn't be my captain. Nice. Nice. Right, so okay. I've been handed the captaincy of England, and straight away I've got a comment where I thought, well, Graham Taylor... And he was only stepping in for Bobby Robson then. Why would he say that? I don't know. I think whether he wanted to make that in front of the group, that it wasn't his choice and he was just telling the whole group, I really don't know. But I really felt it within myself to think, here yeah, I've just been made captain of England and had a comment like and that with Graham. Because away, yeah. all I've ever thought, heard of is really great things about Graham Taylor. Yeah, me too. Lo and behold, of course, Simon, Graham Taylor takes over from Bobby Robson yeah. when Bobby calls it a day. Yeah. I knew then that, I was ne it was never going to happen because, and and that's fair enough. We all see different players, and I mean the big raging debates about Harry Maguire. Is he yeah. a player? Is he not yeah. a player? Some people say he is. We'll some talk people... about him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, so I can get it. It's the biggest thing that went against me was, let me tell you, when Terry Venables had it, and Brian Robson was obviously then his assistant. Yeah, there was a friendly, at um, against Nigeria in Wembley. I declined it. Did you? I did, yeah. I thought, I've got to the end of my career without Or did you think it, it was not a pity vote? Yeah, something like that, where Brian had probably... They, listen, they needed a centre-half, and it was one of these games in the middle of June yeah. or whenever it was, a friendly at Wembley. And um, and I declined it, and I'm glad I did, yeah. because I wouldn't have just wanted Steve Bruce one England cap. I was closer to playing for Ireland than I was, mm. than I was ever England. When you were... Uh... In your pomp at United and the team was flying and that period of six years, certainly from 90 to 90, you live in 96, you go to Birmingham yeah. in 96, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So during that six years, you win X amount of league titles, you win X amount of FA Cups and European Cup Winners' Cups, right? Who was the most talented player that you played with? Oh, I would say the most unique and talented. You know what I think of Brian Robson yeah. and Roy Keane, yeah. let me tell you. And... Uh, and Giggs was sensational when he was a kid. He's the only one, Giggs, who I first seen at 14, 15, where he said, oh, my God. We know where he's going. Oh, yeah. oh wow. He was he was so unique and so different. They don't come along. Maybe we've got one player for England now in Bellingham, but yeah. this kid, Ryan Giggs, was something else. I have to say, for the biggest impact I've ever seen, come and take Old Trafford by the, by the shirt, by the collar, was Cantonal yeah. was unbelievable yeah. in his presence, in his makeup, his skill as a footballer, his flair. He was different. Yeah, I've never seen anybody command a room like the way Cantonal did, but could back it up. Yeah. Now we needed to back it up because we accepted him being different. Yeah. And how Fergie managed him. <laughs> However, Saturday come along a semi final or a final or a big game, Cantonal scored, turned up. When we win, have to win at Newcastle, Cantona scores at the back post. Beat Liverpool in '96 in the cup final. Cantona, he was unbelievable. As for greatest players, as I said, how do you, how do you, how do you quantify that? How do you try and say in so keen, uh, 
Robson ints ints as a top top player, but not on the level maybe of Keane and Robson. I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, and people will obviously know about this incident with Eric and the circumstances at Palace. You'd have been in that game. Yes. You'd have been in that dressing room. Yes. Um, and obviously Eric. Uh, the game was a spiky game. You guys were getting booted around a pitch by <laughs> yeah. people, people like Southgate and whoever else was on yeah, the pitch, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Eric loses his stack with a fan, mm-hmm. jumps in the crowd. Describe the scene of what everyone, what <laughs> well, everyone well, you know, in the, little, in the little dressing room area yeah. at Sellers Park, it's only small, and there was people in there from all sorts. I think the FBI at one page would be in there. It was an incredible scene. And uh, and Eric was cool and looking at we only drew one each. And I remember Sir Alex is picking out a few. Sharp, you haven't done anything at all. You never ran past him. You never dribbled past anybody. You're hopeless. Hopeless you were. And then he gets to Eric and I don't know what you're up to. And just brushed past him. But the whole melee outside was something big has just, has just happened. Yeah. yeah, this is huge. I remember Eric though. And he, by the way, he's got a scrape on his back. And he now can't put his shirt on because all the back of him is a mess. He says, uh, I think I'm in a bit of trouble. Eh? I says, Eric, a bit of trouble? <laughs> Jesus, you're in serious trouble. But he says, called my mother, whatever he called her, and mm. I'd do the same thing again. And mm. up until this day, he'd do the same thing again. But it was huge. And of course, mm. you're Man United. It's a yeah. huge now story. He's making this news at 10 headlines, isn't it? And... Um, of course, everybody's clamouring for a piece of him. And do you know, Simon, he got sentenced to prison to start with. I know he did, yeah. Mind you, after 100 hours of working in Salford in all these charity shops... He'd rather gone to prison. <laughs> you come in and said, I think I'd have rather gone to prison for two months. Did all of you sit there when he did the press conference and go, what the fuck oh, are yeah, you talking yeah. about? I have to tell the you that one. follow the trawler. <laughs> well, did that, any of you know what that well, meant? All of us never questioned him because he was sort of... You know, we just let him get on with his own sort of space. But I was determined to ask him where that come from because everybody, the son's right in there, he's got the lunatic and he's he's this, that and the other and all sorts. And I remember sitting opposite him where, he, where we dressed and uh, I says, Eric, I've got to ask you, where the hell did you get when the seagulls follow the trawlers and sardines? Where did it come from? Typically Eric says, I don't know, but it was fucking good, eh? <laughs> it brought the whole dressing room, we all thought, just chuckled like that as only he could get Keep away with it. He, he could get away with it. But it was all, it came, was, oh, it was all magical, wasn't it? You would have loved it to be able to do something like that in front of them all when the seagulls follow the trawlers. One of the most unbelievable moments I think I've ever witnessed. When you look at the list of managers United have had, post-Alex... So we've got Moyes, Van Gaal, we've got Mourinho, Solskjaer, Ranjik, and, and we've got Ten Hag. When you look at the period of time, who did the best job of those managers in your view? Well, Mourinho, Mourinho again won a couple of trophies, didn't he? Yeah. However, he wasn't everybody's cup of tea with the way he played, the way the way he plays, or whatever. I don't think you can ever criticise him because of just. I um, think he's a bullet manager. <clears throat> I do. Me too. Yeah. Me too. When these, when the word great comes into yeah. the, the conversation, he's in that conversation. He, he's in it. Yeah. Marine, you has to be. I think now you can only you can look back and say it's ten years. The manager's done really well in the last twelve months, considering what he's had. Mm-hmm. I think he knows, and the all of Man U fans know that there's still a hell of a long way to get anywhere near. So if you're looking Man at these good City managers, now, and I'm pinning you down on who are from Moyes. Van Gaal, Mourinho, Solskjaer, Ranić have done a job befitting of a Manchester United manager. Who would you pick out? Well, it would have to be for me Mourinho because of what he's won. Right, and and, uh, and as I said, people weren't talking about style um, and all the rest of it. But he brings you trophies, and he's been like that. He's a relentless winner. Mm. Um, for me, Jose is a special talent. You've got this situation where you had the initial introduction of Ten Hag with Ronaldo. And the problems that he had there. You've now got a situation with Jaden Sancho that I think it's a manager's right to call players out. But I, I think it's often the case when a manager starts calling the players out in a public domain, he's beginning to flounder. It's difficult, Simon, because something what you maybe try to keep in house leaks this time. It he was, didn't leak it though, Steve. We, did we, he? No, he tweeted he, it, didn't he? he? No, 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 not Sancho. 
Oh, Sancho, we're, sorry. We're, don't worry about what he said. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about what Ten Hag said. Ten Hag, has, he's the one that chose to turn around and say, this player doesn't train properly and doesn't do that. Now, he's taken yeah. that into the public domain. Yeah. And, and that's not something that I would... I don't think Ferguson would have done that. No. I think he'd have no, had you and dealt have, with you. you, in, you in, dealt with you in yeah. a different way. And, and, uh, and I get that. Listen, Ten Hag's had to deal with the Ronaldo situation, which I think personally he did very well with. Do you? I do. In the end, Ronaldo had to go. Let's be fair, Ronaldo wasn't the 18, 20-year-old no, he was in second time yeah. However, he still did score 20-odd goals. I think he's had difficult in his first year, the Ronaldo thing, the Sancho thing, the Mason Greenwood in terms of that yeah. debacle. Um, and now, of course, he's got Sancho, which are big issues because he's a big player. Is he? Is he? What's he done for well, United? He hasn't, he hasn't done anything yet for United. And I think that's games, where, two years. I think that's where he needs to now. Because then again, it looks to me from the outside again, same when we're talking at the top of the interview, when you could talk about Manu. Different story of Borussia Dortmund. He's ripping the yeah, yeah. Bundesliga up. Different league, different quality. He looked, from the time he came in, lost. Yeah. Too big and, a club for him. Maybe too big a move from the demands yeah. on him, all the rest of it. He found it really, really difficult. That's because he's got talent. Yeah. The kid. He's got talent. We haven't seen it enough. Mm. But I honestly believe that criticizing the manager and the, the way he's done, done it doesn't need to. Yeah, done. Yeah. yeah. If a manager says you're not training very well, you're not yeah, training you're very training well. Training very well. And yeah. you're not in the team yeah. or the squad. Yeah. And yeah, 80 million quid's worth, it's a big call. Gonna move you on to another controversial and this is where the mediocre comment came from about me with you the other day <laughs> yeah the situation with harry Maguire and what's going on there i mean what do you make of it all i mean his mum's come out and said things and felt that the, the, the situation was beyond the level of fairness but the player himself yeah. he's clearly not in the greatest of form but this whole situation with Maguire, what does he do what can he do? What should he do? Well, I thought, Simon, he made, when he had the opportunity to go to West Ham, I don't know how it fell down or what happened. You know, we're not privy to these things. I thought that might have been an answer. Go and play yeah. different environment and be valued. start again. Be valued. And be valued. Yeah. There's obviously, it's got to the level where I don't think, I don't think any of us have ever really seen it to that. Do you think that? I, it, on, well, who fell well, though? The supporters. Yeah, and whether they're England or even when we go to Scotland the other day, they're they're sort of ridiculing. Yeah, it's parody, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and now I I went to see Harry, and bought him when I was at Hull, and my chief scout was Stan Tennant, who knows all about Stan. His man is a rocking horse, but <laughs> absolutely indeed. great for me he was as a chief scout. He says, uh, "We're going to go and see uh, Harry Maguire today. They're playing in this Mickey Mouse thing at Sheffield United in the EFL Trophy or whatever." We'll go in and we'll go and put our caps on and and we'll we'll just sit. We're not going to sit in the director's box because they'll know we want to try and buy him. So when Harry walks out and when he's only twenty one now, when Harry walks out, I thought he's got a strange shape and he's got a strange mm. gait the way the way he is. Big, powerful lad, but he is he slow on the turn. He's not the quickest. Handles the ball really, really well. Great in both boxes. So all this time at the stand, I've gone. I'm not so sure, Stan. I'm not so sure about him. So Stan then goes, let me tell you, he's 21. He's won Player of the Year at Sheffield United for the last three years on the spin. He's played 150 games by the time he's 21. He says he's not the quickest. And by the way, you weren't the quickest and your left foot was hopeless and you weren't very big. But so we give you a chance. I think he's a player. Mm -hmm. Okay, Stan, you've seen him 8, 10, 12 times. So we bought him and I took him. And he didn't get in the team straight away because I had some good players. I just wanted to nurse him through a little bit. When he did get his chance, he handles the ball in in immaculately. He's good in both boxes. He's a very, very decent player. Sam. He is, yeah. He's I agree. a very decent player yeah. who is, for me now, been the subject of the frustration of my United supporters, maybe. And then... For but captaincy, why? But why? just maybe because if he makes a mistake, if he makes a mistake or whatever, and people seem to be—is it all Man U fans or is it, or a is it England of, supporters? Yeah. Because he, I, I can't remember him ever letting England down. 
The point is, is that I didn't think he was an 80 million pound centre half, and I no. don't. I think he's a decent player, and I think there's no reason for this abuse that he's getting. I think it's unfair and it's unjust. Yeah. Right? But what? If you where does give, it come from, Simon? I don't know. I don't know whether it's come from the Greek stuff and people thinking you got a bit big head, a bit a bit, bit ahead of yourself, and got a bit flash the way you behaved over there, or whether it's got from the robotic interviews that he did when they were a little bit dialed in. Or yeah. whether it's because they're looking for a scapegoat and he's just got the receiving end of it because he's a big fella and he was the Man United captain. I don't like it. I, I, I don't think people criticising his performance and questioning Gareth Southgate's propensity to pick him when he's not a regular inside. I don't think that's wrong. And I think some of the shit that's being said about the fact that the pundits and media are after him, I don't think it's that. I think yeah. the fans... Yeah. And you can say that the pundits have said something which gives the fans an excuse to say something. People are responsible for their own actions. But... Yeah. Did you see him when you? Did you I see him as a Man United I, I captain? Heard it, I heard it the other night. They were saying howling round Hamden. Yeah, but that was Scotland. Yeah, that... Scotland. Yeah, so the Scottish fans have jumped all over yeah, it as well. Yeah, they would yeah. do, wouldn't they? And and it yeah, seems to be that everywhere Clinton. he's going, because he's getting it maybe at home as well in, in Manchester, that every every ground is is replicating it, if you like. Did you think when you had him? Did you think he was a? Do you did you think? No, you couldn't have at the time, right? Because ultimately, Hull. To Manchester United is a no, step. no, he went to Leicester, didn't he? We sold him, to yeah, Leicester. I know he did. But he what I'm saying, Leicester. I'm saying when you had him at Hull, right? Yes, I was going to ask you the question, did you think he'd be a Man United captain? Because but you can't have seen that because he wasn't at Man United. But when he was at Man United, did you think, knowing what you know of him, that's a Man United captain? Well, he's got a certain strength about him, and he's a very, very decent man. Whether he's a Man United captain, who knows? Same, everybody's got to make their opinions on that. First of all, it's very, very difficult to be captain when you're not playing, yeah. So straight away, you've got a decision from Den Haag is now going to say, well, he, he ain't going to play. I think the way the manager's towards him has sort of said, here's the door, yeah. you're not for me. Fair enough. That's the way it works sometimes. That's the way it works. That's the way it happens. It happens to us all. And that's why I wasn't surprised. I was surprised that he didn't take it up on it. Um, but the actual stuff that he's getting, it, it borders on ridicule. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah, taking the piss. And yeah, that's not great. If yeah. you know, let's be fair. He's st still Gareth picks him. Yeah, I don't think it was wise for his mum to come out. But then again, then again, it's easy for him to say it's not my son. If you were giving him advice, Steve, what would you what would you tell him to do? I nearly rang him in the summer because I've known him before, and yeah. I was I was at a wedding where he was at. I think personally, I'd have moved on. Yeah, I think once the manager's done that and showed his cards to you, then. You, you move the on. Cast, to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've, you've got you've got to move on and go and find yourself a career again, boost it again, and feel respected of in the audience that you're at. And certainly on a Moisey, I thought it'd have been a really good fit. Yeah, I would have thought, I thought so it'd too. have been a really, really, really good fit. You made Kurt Zuma look like a player. <laughs> That's <laughs> just another go. centre back opinion. Um, you should be picking on centre backs. I know. Long, <laughs> I know. Too much to say for myself. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about. Your time at Crystal Palace when I was the owner. Well, the first time I met you was in Marbella, I believe, <laughs> where I was introduced to my coaches and assistants, assistant manager, Steve Kember and Terry Bullivant. I was only young and thought an inferior manager might have thought, don't want these two hanging around. I went over there with open arms to them because I'd heard good things about them. And uh, we were sitting in a boat in Marbella and you on your jet skis <laughs> giving it rock all around bloody Port of Benus, if you remember. And I embraced these two, and they were so different to me. Unbelievable times. And um, and away we went. You were brilliant, and I think we missed an opportunity for whatever reason, because I think that the the dynamic between us was brilliant. Yes. I think that you were an exciting young manager, and I think that the standards that you brought, there was no surprise to me we were top of the league. Um, well, I, have to just... tell you, I have to tell a bit of the story of this one too. So we very quickly put a decent team together. Yeah. And you know, Simon, we had three at the back, two wingers as, as wingbacks. Mm. All of this was 25, 23 years ago. We had two strikers and Dougie Freeman and Clinton Morrison and Jovan behind them. Yeah. We had the makings of a very, very Opposite, good team. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But I remember specifically one time, whereas we beat Wolves away, I don't know if you remember it. And, uh, and on the coach on the way back, You've picked the phone up. We're fucking top of the league, son. We're top of the league. And um, I'm delighted and shut a few of these guys up who never want me an employee and all the rest of it. See him under, well done. Put the phone down. I thought, he's excited as anybody that could have been because the one thing you were, you're a huge Crystal Palace fan. 
When you look at your managerial career, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve, thirteen clubs. How would you? How do you describe it? In your, how do you think of it? You know, you've 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 got Sheffield, Huddersfield, Wigan, Palace, Birmingham, Wigan again, Sunderland, all of these sort of not the most glamorous of clubs. No. And when when the you two, look at the your two career, big ones, the two big ones I had Newcastle and the Glamour and, and Villa. Villa. Newcastle was a different circumstance. They had in trouble, but Aston Villa was in trouble when I took over that. Yeah. They'd won four games in fifty-four. Yeah. They were, they were absolutely beaten and. <sighs> It was the most dip, one of the most difficult experiences, Aston Villa. But I will say, that's why I've said to many people, it's why I've enjoyed the championship, because it's a more even field, if you like, Simon. For instance, going back the 20-odd years when me and you worked together, yeah. you know, we got, we got a, you know, a Popovich for nothing. Yeah. We, got, we got Steve Vickers on loan. You know, we, you got a few players around us where... What did you bring Steve Vickers up for? You had a no, bleeding no, bleed turn because you, you couldn't, wouldn't get him. No, because you, you, you wouldn't buy him. I wouldn't I let you, you let him train up in Middlesbrough is what I wouldn't <laughs> let you do. It was, it was for nothing. Well, again, that was one of the yeah. disputes. But <laughs> there, yeah. But we had won seven on the spin when he was in there. Know, and Brian was giving us a for nothing, Simon. So we're going to relive that all along. Okay. But when I look at the Premier League now, I would think that the, that the clubs that I've managed in the Premier League even Newcastle, and I'm going to get slaughtered for the saying yeah. this, right? They were in the bottom half. I've just seen, I remember going to China and watching 10, 12 games of the season before when Rafa was in charge, who they all idolised Rafa. Yeah. And he finished 12th and 13th and gone about it this way and thought, and I thought, I ain't going to change much here. He defends deep, right? We'd lost Mitrovic up the pitch because he'd, and we need a centre forward and we need some players in. This is the way he's gone about it and being awful to watch, which mm -hmm. I held my hand up and say we weren't a great watch. But how do I keep Newcastle in the Premier League? In the Premier League. But that was your brief, wasn't it? That's the brief. That's the brief yeah. that Ashley gave you. Yeah, well, yeah. You, Same when you, I tell people that Callum Wilson, where to break the wage structure to get Callum Wilson you, to, from Bournemouth. But you know why you were unpopular with Newcastle fans? Because you were appointed by Mike Ashley, you were his man. And Rafa Benitez used the media to back-channel uh, Ashley all the time. And so that's why they loved Benitez and disliked you. But I, we'll get into Newcastle in a minute. But I want to talk a little bit more about the journey that you went on with some of the other clubs. Yeah. Not all of them, because we'll be all day. No. There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but clubs like Villa, because I remember you and I speaking. And I think I'm right. I think I'm right that there was a possibility that you were going to get called up for an interview for the England manager's job. I was yeah. interviewed for it, yeah. Yeah, right. And, uh, I, I knew lost, I was right about that. And you were a little disappointed that you didn't get where you wanted. And I remember saying to you, don't worry about that fucking party. You didn't even get on the list. And he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> um, but you, Only you can say that same. <laughs> but you, I, I said to you, wait for a London job. As much as it burns my ass, Palace might need someone in there. And they're an established Premier League club now. Or Fulham might be a good job for you. And then the Villa job came up. And I, yeah. and I knew how difficult the Villa job was because I had a look at buying it. And I knew how much of a mess they were in when they got relegated. Yeah. But the experiences that you had at Villa, there's always been this accusation about you that you haven't been loyal enough. And you've jumped between mm -hmm. clubs, right? Mm -hmm. right? And you've been prepared to jump across cities and go from Sheffield from one side of Sheffield to the other, from one side of the Midlands to the other, one side of <laughs> North Sam, to I'm the other. I'm going to stop you there. I'll let you down. All right. I don't know really why but that was the I thing. jumped towards I, I, Birmingham, I, I, maybe because I, I played there for two years. The circumstances were the circumstances. They're well rehearsed. We, we, yeah, we we've put them it. to bed. And if anyone wants to find out about them, read my best-selling book. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the point is this. It would have to be best-selling, of course. <laughs> but it must, you must look at it and go, how can you go to Newcastle when you've been at Sunderland? How can you go to Villa when you've been at Birmingham? How can you go to Wednesday when you've been at Sheffield? And, that, and, the, and the word loyalty will come into it. We know that loyalty is crap, right? We, yeah. No one's got any loyalty in this world. When you went into Villa... You went into a difficult situation, but you, as opposed to the the, the, the observation at times, rightly or wrongly, right, you don't need to defend yourself against it because I'm not accusing you of it. No, no. Right, about the idea that you jump around when it suits you because everybody does it all the time when it suits them. But you were then beginning to get a tag as a manager that was a dinosaur that had yeah, run his I course think, yeah. and that you weren't, at, you weren't at the cutting edge of football anymore. And what yeah. does that make you I, feel I, I like as the I hear all the time manager? now. Yeah, I feel like all the time now it's all about style and um, identity is the word. And DNA. You are, 
you are a dinosaur. Well, let's let's be brutally honest now. What is a dinosaur? dinosaur what do they dinosaur mean? ruled the world for 300,000 years, did they? They were majestic, a long time and they're dead now and Listen, extinct. Things, right. things change and you have to change with it. Of course you do, Simon. Because when I see Roy Hodgson now, is Roy Hodgson a dinosaur? He was accused of it a lot of years ago at Liverpool. Yeah. It's something that gets out there and it's very, very difficult. But the Palace fans got fed up with him, didn't they? And then, then all of a sudden, Vieira comes in for 18 months and all of a sudden, Roy's come back and they're playing a completely different right. brand of football, aren't they? So let's have it right. Yeah, you see a different brand of football, but what he has got now, he's got players who can excite you. Don't matter the brand of football. Them, mm. that Ezzy and them two white boys. Yeah. And, and when you've got the boys gone to Turkey now... But they, you had Jack. Uh, sorry? You had we Jack. Had, yeah, I lost him for six months. We had Jack Young, torn kidney, would you believe, which he did in a poxy pre-season game where looked so innocuous... I lost him. He changed him. This injury changed yeah. him. He went in the gym and uh, he came back. All of a sudden, he'd gone from sort of a boy to a man. And all that year, I had to fight Daniel Levy off because Daniel Levy was trying to buy him for £8 million. <laughs> and all summer, I said, we can't. We He's too good. No, can't. No matter how skint we are. And we, we very nearly didn't pay the wages in June and July of that summer. I remember. That, uh, I was looking at the numbers. Yeah. It was in a, I think we saw the car park in the end, would you believe, mm. what got us out of trouble a bit until the new owners came in. But he was a, he was a wonderful... What's he like as a boy, Grealish? Oh, he's a fantastic boy because of his sheer enthusiasm for life as a footballer. Yeah. Yes, he's going to misbehave at times yeah. and he, he loves a good time and all the rest of it. I think now the intrusion on him yeah, it's, it's is huge. huge and he's going to have to deal with that. Um, I can only speak highly of him. He was a joy. I remember you as an expansive, wanting to get forward manager. Mm-hmm. Have you changed? Has no. that changed in you? Or is it just simply, you know in the I Premier think... League you've got a limited resource of players in the clubs that you've been in and you've got to manage what you've got because you're going to lose your job quicker if you lose games rather than how you play. Take the job, losing the job out the road, right? Right. Especially in the Premier League. I was talking to you when we joined Palace. Yeah. We were innovative then. We were a bit before time. Who played three yeah. at the back? Not very many. We were good to watch, exciting. But I believe that team was as good a match as anybody in that division in the Championship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we could win. Yeah. And we could win playing a certain way. Yeah. Happy days, great. Because it was it was like for like. Like for like. Yeah. No problem at all. When you are gone into Sunderland, for example, they just avoided relegation. Now... That ain't, got, that ain't gonna just go away. What we did do was we got a few players up the top end of the pitch, in Asamoa Jan, Darren Bent, and a few others, yeah. and it and it and it changed because they could go and win a game. Mm-hmm. They could change, and really, it come about at Villa, possibly then in Newcastle, that I was this washed up old dinosaur who, yeah. you know, and and I'll say that in the Premier League. In the Premier League, it's, it's, I feel a little above Burnley now. They weren't such about it last year. The way he went about it was wonderful to watch. And um, you think he's going to have to change? And um, yeah, he, he ain't changing right now. <laughs> but and he's getting better. He might up. have, to, yeah, yeah, he might have to change, Simon. And that's what I'm saying. He might have to. Now, does he change his philosophies? Because he's Vincent Company and he yeah. wants to play this way. I totally get it. Does he want to play this way? And he probably will. However. If he continues to play that way... He's going to get smashed. There's a, there's but there's a possibility... an irony about that, isn't there? Because probably if he goes down, which they will do if they continue to play this way, because they can't play the football that they played in the Championship in the Premier League, he might go down with a bit more nobility rather than banking up and changing the direction. And people might have been more... There's an irony about that, isn't there? There's an irony about it. And he's young and he wants to play yeah. that way. A bit like when I was at Palace, wanted yeah. to play in the front foot. And I was used to playing in Manchester to win. Yeah. You had to win. You have to win at whatever cost and be exciting. Man, you can never be dull. Mm. And um, so it's something that I have to try and readdress. But I think it's it's come about because of being at clubs where... Newcastle, let's go to Newcastle straight away. Yeah, I'm going to take you there now. Uh, take me yeah, there yeah. now. Is the biggest and best job that, that I could have ever, ever got was me small town. Uh, me, is it? Is it? Is it not? Um, because I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll qualify it for you. I mean, I know, I know, or oh, I think I know that uh, early after you left me, you went to Birmingham, there was an interest with you to go to Newcastle. And I think you probably felt, okay, no, I can't jump again. All right. Mm. But speaking... In in 2006, Simon, they came for me. Came for However, you. and I'm going to tell you now, though, they wanted Sir Bobby 
above me. Yeah. And me to groom Alan Shearer beneath me. Yeah, that's not good, is it? So uh, thankfully I didn't take it up. Yeah. And it was driving best. away from that interview was like, wow. You what? know, they were trying to buy Wayne Rooney at the time. Yeah. You know? And uh, Freddie, God rest his soul, yeah. um, would put this upon me that we were going to put Bobby up there uh, to Bobby upstairs and we'll want to groom Alan. Mm. And I come away saying, I can't do that. No, I don't blame you. I can't do it. And that's where that fell down. But I spoke to, to Graham and I spoke to Sam and they both talked about this being the impossible job. Was it the most difficult job to do? Because I've often felt that the Geordies have got, they get incredibly irritated with the me because thing, I think they've got unreasonable expectations previously. The one, yeah. The one thing about, the one thing about Mike Ashley, never tell you any bullshit. Right. Here's the pot of money we've got. This is what the club's earned this year. This is what we've got. It's not a lot. Never is, but that's what we've got. So get on with it. He would be as brutal as that to say, get on with it. We know we and stand, he didn't, And he didn't, he never interfered. He would yeah. never ring me up and say, by the way, why well, you haven't picked him for that one at the weekend or this, that and the other one. I worked closely with Lee Charnley, the, uh, the CEO yeah, at the I time, and that was yeah. my port of call. Yeah. Very difficult when you've only got a small pot of money and... The one thing that I would like to think is we 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 bought quite well. Joe Linton was already done. Right. But I did make the reservation straight away had he scored enough goals because when I seen him play... You'd have him now though, wouldn't you? Where he's playing in midfield. Yeah. A bit different than Newcastle's number nine because yeah. there's something about that, the number yeah. nine. And I had to have the conversation with Joe yeah. to take it, take it away from him. Can you imagine what that was like? Not easy. So, because... You know, he, we had just took Callum Wilson, who the reason why he wanted to come to Newcastle, he wanted the number nine yeah. and he wanted to be the goal scorer. Simon, it was it's all to do with the perception of where Newcastle was when I had them, was stay in the league, keep us up, uh, compared to now. But you never said that, did you? Because, I mean, I did an interesting evaluation in, in front of this. Did you, I mean, I think these numbers are right, that you you... Spent under your management about 100 million quid over two seasons, and it was it cost them 111,000 pounds per point. One is what your cost implication was, and finished 12th and 13th. Eddie, at this moment in time, has spent nearly 300 million quid. Take off Joe Willett because that was yours, right? Yeah, right. So he's currently running at 225,000 pounds a point, so he's going at double the cost implications of what you were given. Yeah, you 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 you've got to take someone on the chin here because some of these players, like Joe Linton and Alma, are performing at a fucking completely different level. Do you know something? Sorry to be blunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Same when I Joe Linton, we moved, we moved when we got Callum Wilson in. I moved Joe Linton to play off the left. I never in a million years thought he was um, a middle and midfield player playing on the left hand side of midfield. He did fantastically well playing on the left hand side, and Almiron even before I got there, could never score the goals that he did for Atlanta. However, I picked him every week. Mm -hmm. I had, in the end, I had Callum Wilson, Joe Linton, Almiron, and when Willock came as well, as a, as a young one. And of course, we had St. Maximum, who was the one yeah. Yeah. who could win me again. Yeah. Um, he was an acquired, he was an acquired taste, mm -hmm. but again, loved footballer, but he was, he was different. He was different. And and you had to stroke that ego. And I had to stroke that ego and manage him because he was, with him not in the team, then we would find it very, very difficult not to win. So it's one of their managerial ones. But what I will say is then, you know, you've got this, you've got this little pot of money or whatever, and now it's completely different. Yeah. What Newcastle, they'd seen it. The hard part for me was a bit like Villa Tua, in the not too distant past, they'd seen that team playing the Barcelonas, playing in the Champions League, yeah. and then all of a sudden, that's gone away to go to the Championship, and now you're fighting for survival every year, is a different kettle of fish for them, and one the one one they weren't, weren't going to expect. Does it make you sad that because the Newcastle job is the job that you would have wanted, right? Because it would have fitted in with everything that you believed in football this was your hometown side it probably would have made your parents very proud mm -hmm. Ashley's with respect to Mike I've known him for years his focus was not to cost himself any more money than it already cost himself to run the football club in an economic fashion that was basically about income generated which by the way I don't disagree with and I wouldn't as a former owner 
Well, um, when you see some of these clubs, but that left no. you in a situation where your brief was this, wasn't it? Yeah. Keep us in the division. Yeah. That was your brief. That was the brief. Yeah. yeah. Keep us up. But that's a shit end of the stick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Your, your brief at Villa was I, we've got, we've we've got a bit of a car crash here. Remy Gard and God knows else what have done to us and Sherwood and whatever else has left us in a position where we've gotten relegated, and you need to rebuild. And you get you're not going to get any credit for any of that and people are going to listen to this thinking I'm backing you up and supporting you yeah. but I also know having been involved in owning a football club what it takes to rebuild something you got none of the advantages of the upsides all the downsides so it must make you sad given it's Newcastle but it must you must look at it and go what did I kick a cat it could have been quite easy for me to say no I knew it was going to be difficult when I respected people like Graham Kenny Daglish yeah. Big Sam all say Steve you know what you did it's the most difficult Graham even said to me, I've managed in Merseyside, I've managed in Istanbul, and I've managed in Glasgow. Nothing is like you for this, it prepares you for Newcastle because of what it entails. I'm still delighted I took it. Look, I'm from the bowels of Wall's End, who who had to escape there to go and make me living and whatever I did. And to go back there, I thought, well, this is the icing on the cake, if you like. This is all the hard work. I'd love to have played for them. Never happened because they turned me away when I was a kid. This is the best thing. That's the next best thing that could be, yeah. And um, and I was I was absolutely really really proud to be to take the, it to take it, yeah. And then get engrossed in it. And by the way, too, also what also was difficult, right in the middle of COVID as well. So we had no crowd. Mm. Some would say that might be a benefit to you, Steve. Mm. But I do believe the people who are bumped into in the street. Not the people on social media. Yeah. The vast majority are bumped into the street say, hey, you didn't do you a did bad right. job. You, you did all right. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's what it'll be. I'm not trying to make you bleed here, but to get a job like Newcastle, to mean what it like, it, for me, when I lost Palace, it broke my heart for a period did. of time. I know right? it did. Um, and for you to lose Newcastle, you kind of lose Newcastle, don't you? You go in there and manage the team, and then the wheels are coming off. You're getting... Barrel loads yeah. of abuse. Everyone's talking about a you're going like, get... A bit like, and it bordered on ridicule, a bit like what you're talking about. It's like a Harry Maguire taking the piss that, do you know, Craig Hope on my third game in charge said I'd sent on a substitute and just told him to go and play anywhere he wanted. As if. Yeah. And, you know, people jumped all over it. People followed him in the northeast. I don't know why. But why? But why does why this... do they follow? I, I really don't know. There was a sort of, it was a sort of all of them all of them came off the same hymn sheet. Yeah. And, you know, it's it as if I'd send on a player to say, go and just play her any way you want. And then the following week, we got badly beaten at Norwich. We were hopeless. He said that I couldn't take a warm-up. You know, he's actually pulling, uh, putting these things down. And I, I wasn't even into my tenure now in Newcastle. I just started. Mm. And um, and I thought, very, for, it's going to be very, very difficult because that's just the start of it. And it, and it and it never ceased. So he had his own agenda that I shouldn't, in his opinion, you shouldn't have got I shouldn't have been the manager of Newcastle United, yeah. which I respect. He's yeah. entitled to it. But please be a little bit fair with it, you know, and um, and, he, and he wasn't. It was quite simple, just a witch hunt from the start. Yeah. Did it affect, I mean, I know, I know Alex, your son, was <laughs> upset. Well, sometimes, you know, he's young yeah. and he's still got that... Fire in his belly. He wants yeah. to fight the world, Simon. Yeah. And um, and there was a bit for me where it did affect the family, yeah. which is the first time. And you, and you know, my good lady, yeah, I if I said to her I was going to Saudi Arabia tomorrow, she'd say, "Okay, Steve, I'll be on the plane right yeah. behind you or with you." Yeah. It simple as that. And when it affects when it affects them, it was the first time in forty odd years that I'd seen it affected the whole family, yeah. which was the difficult part. And it's not easy when you're at the house. It, Two o'clock in the morning, people are, you know, having to call the police and all this nonsense. It's total ridiculous. But I have to say, the vast majority you were bumped into in the street were, keep going, Steve, keep your head up, and and we know you're in difficult in difficult circumstances. You're doing an all right job. When you look at Newcastle now, what do you think of the job that Eddie Howe's doing so well, far? Well, let me tell you, when they first met Amanda and her, and her husband, first thing they said to me in my office, I'll never forget it, was Steve. How can we help? And I did have to say to the two of them, look, I'm toxic to you. Yeah. You can't help me. I think me race has run here because the vast majority will want change. And then it was, Steve, if we could ask you, who would you recommend? So I recommended Eddie. 
Did you? And Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, did you? Who I believe had a conversation with them. Why did you recommend... What, what made you rec Eddie, recommend Stephen Gerrard? Eddie Howe, fine, Premier League manager. I thought the, the profile of Stephen, Liverpool and what you've done at Rangers, yeah. let's be fair, he's at Rangers now in doing okay. And yeah. Harvard and Rangers and looking in doing before he took on Aston Villa. And Eddie was just for the amazing record that he'd done at Bournemouth. Mm. When you look at what the kid done, um, so I had the hugest respect right. and I wanted somebody young and English. Yeah. And that might sound bloody awful, but I just thought it'd be a good fit yeah. with the supporters. Final part, Steve, just yeah. your thoughts on the current Premier League. What it, you know, We've got a side in Manchester City that are doing things that not even your lot did. Um, we've got yeah. Arsenal awake. We got Ange in at Tottenham, and I like him. I like him a lot. Me too. Me, I think he's a really sensible lad. Yeah, yeah. He looks great. The, yeah, be yeah. a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I, I, think I so. agree with you. Yeah, I agree I, with you. I think that's a relationship that could work between him and Daniel because he isn't Conti. I think he wants to be there. What do you think about the current Premier League when you look at it and you look down the league and up and down the league? Well, you're right about you talk about Man City, and you know I live in the northwest there now, and. You sit and have to watch and purr, really, don't you? I mean, I think all the whole country yeah. does that. Huh? Just the way they evolve, the way they play, the way they are. They're so good to watch. They've got so, so many good players. And and there's another one. They buy. They seem to buy well. Huh? I mean, the boy Akanji was 15 million mm. straight into the team, no problem at all. You know, I, I looked at Ake to start with and thought, really, can he really play at the top level? He turned into a, be a wonderful player. It's it. I always take more care at the bottom end, Simon, and think, will Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley, will they, will they escape? Mm. Will they escape? Can they stay up? Can they stay up? And as I said to you, when you had clubs like that, it's a bloody slog because you think, well, winning 10 games is easy in the Premier League. Until you get in there. <laughs> yeah. When you've got Man U, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham in the next six games and you're Luton... You can't see a point. And yet you have to keep yourself bright. Yep. You have to turn up on a Monday Picking and be the coach and, yeah. and keep the belief in them. And yep. that is the hardest job of all. The Premier League has gone from strength to strength. We're seeing great players, great managers. We've seen arguably the greatest managers um, perform in the, in the Premier League, no more so than this guy in charge of Man City. Um, and it's, it's great to see somebody like Arteta doing well, you know, who's... Mm -hmm. And again, the other one, Ange, uh, I can't pronounce his I'll let you do it, Simon. You're more <laughs> eloquent than I am. Um, of how he will take over Tottenham. Because let's be fair, he's been dealt a bad card straight away. They've lost Harry Kane. Maybe. Stop wobbling your head. Of course they will. Yeah, Ultimately. I know. But if you lose 30 because, goals, you lose 30. Yeah, you're course, losing course, 30 yeah, goals. And can you not tell me Harry Kane would have benefited playing in this team the way I he wants so. to play? Yeah, I now, think so. he's gone to Spurs and gone Madison as his, as his number player, 10. He? He's a player. Yeah. Kid's always been a player. Yeah. Always been a player since he was a Coventry. Yeah. He was a kid. He's a player. Yeah. You used to have to look at him and say that kid can play. He needs somebody to control him. To he's, just he's got believe to in him. Yeah. Believe in believe him. And say you're the main man. Okay. You're the main man. You're going to play in the ten. Go and do your stuff. What do you see for Man United this year? Can they replicate what they've done last year? What was that then? <sighs> well, hang on a minute. Simon. We, we won the League Cup and they were in the Champions League. Yeah. Win a trophy, lost a trophy, well, and won the Champions League. Where Man United are now. Well, they've got to get over that and they've got something to beat because you would like to think Chelsea are going to be better. Liverpool are certainly going You've to be better. Have seen any indication of that right now in Chelsea? Well, I'd like to see it grow. I think with Pochettino, with Pochettino, I think it's got a chance because they're young. I do too. I think I, I do worry about Man U. Can they replicate getting in the top four? It, that's a sad indictment, I agree. Mm. But um, they've got to give the manager a, a, another couple of years at it. You think so? I, I I do believe if you keep chopping and changing in different different styles and different play the way different teams play, I think you have to. You get offered a job in Saudi, you go. Simon, I'm not going to say no to you because when I look at it from afar, you're intrigued by it. And if somebody's going to make you a a, a really decent offer, then I'd I'd I, you'd have to consider it. I'm not going to bullshit you and say no. You're a Southgate fan. Yeah, he's done fantastically well. And, um, you know, he's got the semi-finals and quarter-finals and 
Yeah, I know you have your reservations, don't you? I think he's done brilliant with the media. I think he's done brilliant in creating a harmonised environment where there's no cliques and none of that crap and everyone wants to play for England. He's done, he's done he's great done there. Well. Let me tell you where it's a bit different now. I believe we've got a superstar on my hands. In Bellingham. Yeah. yeah. That could be just the, 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 key. Missing, the, yeah. the key to it. Do you think we can win the Euros? Well, I wouldn't back against us. Mm, I'm beginning to come back to that score. I though. wouldn't back against yeah. us. Not a, not, a, not a chance. And in this kid, Bellingham. Superstar. I mean... Oh, he's a superstar. Already, come he? on, he's yeah. a superstar. He's walked yeah. into Real Madrid at 20-year-old and they're saying he's the best thing since yeah. sliced bread. Above Zidane and all this mm. they're talking about. Incredible. And he's English, which is great. Steve, really enjoyed it. Thank you for being so upfront with me today. Thanks. Thanks for letting me come on. Great to see you. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.